giant-sized nightcrawler by Jonathan Hickman and Alan Davis with Carlos Lopez colors and Clayton Cowell's letters is the second entry in a five-issue giant-sized X-Men series and finds Kurt leading a team of mutants through a Krakoan gate into the deserted and seemingly haunted X-Mansion. Today I'll answer, what's the secret of the haunted X-Mansion? How does giant-sized nightcrawler connect to the themes of Hickman's giant-sized series so far? And what X-Men characters and concepts are introduced and what do they mean for Dawn of X? Hello and welcome to Kraken Krakoa. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. If you like the CBH YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. Links to CBH channels, including new uploads to IGTV and Patreon support, are included in the show notes. You can find full X-Men reading orders and comic book reading orders over on comicbookherald.com. Spoilers for all discussed comics may follow. The issue opens with Nightcrawler traveling to the deserted X-Mansion gates with Ileana Rasputin, iBoy, Cypher, and Lockheed. As they note, there is a Krakoan gate going into this now deserted X-Mansion, and it has been identifying some sort of mysterious mutant disturbance, despite the fact that, clearly overgrown and unused, the X-Mansion remains, as I stated, very, very deserted. Right away, the team sees a curious array of ghostly mutants setting Lockheed out of his mind with flame bursts. The first that they see seems to be Warpath, of course, the, the mutant who died in the original Chris Claremont run on Uncanny X-Men and Uncanny X-Men number 94. He got better since then as well. But later they do see Hound version of Rachel Summers as well. These are sort of unspeaking apparitions, but it's an all too mysterious and a bit too familiar until Hound Rachel's form dissolves before the team's eyes. Shouts to Alan Davis's rendering of Lockheed's utter shock here in particular, and she dissolves into a cluster of beetle-like aliens known as the Seedry. Okay, who are the Seedry? Well, they're a fantastic and unexpected pull from Jonathan Hickman and Alan Davis, a techno-organic alien race of freelance bounty hunters. They're a really sparingly used deep cut from X-Men lore, but makes so much sense for the broader themes and connective tissue of the giant size series so far. It's not something I would have thought of in terms of including, but that's why it makes it so perfect. And as I'll explain as I talk through here, the more I think about it, the more sense it makes. The Cedri debuted in the pages of Uncanny X-Men number 154, hot on the tail of Corsair, aka Scott Summers' father, when he was on the run, yet again, from the Shi'ar. Although they seem almost too small to operate as anything other than pests, collectively the Cedri are capable of working as freelance bounty hunters, which is somewhere between hilarious and terrifying. Imagine Mandalorian was made up of thousands of tiny baby Yodas, and you kind of have the, an idea of the potential here. In line with the Brood's involvement in X-Men number 8 and X-Men number 9, written by Jonathan Hickman, and issue 9 released the same day as Giant Size Nightcrawler, aka Today, the day I'm recording this, the Cedri are introduced on the front end and back end of the Uncanny X-Men original Brood saga, first with art by Dave Cockrum in one, number 154, and later by Paul Smith in issue 168. 168 being that famous Kitty Pride Professor Xavier is a jerk opener. In 168, they're effectively big beetles with laser eyes, and Kitty and Colossus fight a leftover nest of them in the X-Mansion's basement. The other important development, as all this is happening in the X-Mansion, is Doug Ramsey pulled through the Cedri's alien base where he begins negotiations with the bounty hunters. Ileana finds Doug to rescue him, only to find that 1. Doug's in talks with the Cedri, and 2. Warlock is alive and well, hopping off Doug's arm and into the form of one of the happiest-looking little Cedris you've ever seen. 
In X-Men number 8, we saw it briefly teased that Doug, Warlock, and Krakoa were all discussing Tom Brady's release from the Pats. At least I assume that's what they were talking about. But this is the first real clear instance of Warlock alive and seemingly well as his own entity in the Dawn of X. Upon his return, Doug Locke lets the team know that Cedri encountered Lady Mastermind, who came looking to use the gate to Krakoa and has since been kept in a sort of symbiotic coma, causing Kurt and friends to hallucinate those apparitions upon their entrance and unconsciously using her powers to ask for help. Although she has a goofy name and puts new meaning in the term V-neck, Lady Mastermind is a really entertaining holdover from the Mike Carey X-Men run, uh, which is the also the debut of the Children of the Vault. We know Hickman is a fan of the Carey run on X-Men as stated in interviews, and of course from his own use of Children of the Vault in both Giant Size and X-Men as well. Uh, if you are interested in those stories, I recommend starting with X-Men number 192, I believe, is where that Children of the Vault arc initially begins. Lady Mastermind plays a role there. Doug makes deal with the, the Cedri that they can keep the X-Mansion real estate for their nest so long as they basically allow access to the Krakoan gate there. As Doug notes, it's going to be a problem which is what we in the business refer to as foreshadowing. The Cedri make a ton of sense to introduce into Hickman's X narrative, a techno-organic alien race with a hive mind that's right in line with everything we've seen from all of the following. Phalanx, Children of the Vault, Warlock, and Doug. I mean, if you Google Cedri and just look at the Wikipedia entry, the first things that they say are basically, hey, Hickman, these would be a great inclusion with your idea of techno-organic alien races playing a major role in your X-Men run. A very real concern I could see developing for the X-Men is an alliance of all these alien techno-organic forces, continuing the man-versus-machine structural war so eloquently teased in Powers of Ten. Remember, it's less man or it's less um you know man versus versus mutant than it is necessarily mutant versus machine as the ultimate threat that the X-Men face. So if you have the Children of the Vault and now the Cedri teaming up, that's an immensely intimidating threat for mutant kind. Throw the phalanx into the mix, and it may just be up to Douglock as the, the possible interpreter or, or communicator to try and gain some sort of alliance of his own to save all of mutant kind. As much as I enjoy this issue, it's a strange choice for a Nightcrawler showcase. He's the leader of the squad here, but the story's not really about him. My biggest takeaways are definitely the developments for Doug Locke and the sci-fi alien threats added to the growing techno-organic hive mind category in the X-Men's database. But as far as developments for Kurt go, again, other than the fact that he's been an X-Men for a long time and has very strong leadership capabilities, there's not much here that is too Nightcrawler specific. In that regard, and really that regard alone, Giant Size Nightcrawler number 1 is disappointingly devoid of the things that make Nightcrawler my favorite X-Man character since I was a kid. The swashbuckling charm, the smile as he leaps into danger, the incredible use of his bamfing teleportation, none of that is really strongly on display. Likewise, whereas X-Men number 7 left Kurt telling Scott Summers he's planning on developing a mutant religion, none of that thread is followed up on here either. Even when the decision comes in giant size for one character to quote-unquote rescue Doug, Kurt chooses Ileana, a sensible choice for her power set, but another way the focus is taken off of Nightcrawler in this comic book. Unanswered questions that remain coming out of this issue, I'd say first off and, and primarily the mystery of Douglock continues. What specifically is going on with their relationship? Why is Warlock sort of just Doug's arm? Why is everyone pretending they don't notice Doug has a Warlock arm? And why is it a secret from the rest of mutant kind right now? When Ileana sees Warlock and, and you know, inhabiting his Cedri form, um, Doug swears her to secrecy that she won't tell anyone. I'm pretty curious why that would be. 
Finally, I'll just offer a prediction here. My theory would be Doug's treaty actually offers the X-Men an ally against the Vault. Obviously, he had communications, although he states it's going to be a problem. Perhaps that those are more tenuous than, than the issue's end would lead us to believe. Either way, we know Giant Size is building towards trying to free Storm from a Vault infection. We saw that in Giant Size, Jean Grey, and Emma Frost. The introduction of the Seedry in Freestanding Warlock will unquestionably play a role in that goal either in support or opposition. Again, I'd remember Hickman is a planner here. This is a five-issue giant size structure, and despite the fact that these issues might seem disconnected, I am very confident they will connect by the time all is said and done. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, a new thing I do want to make sure I'm implementing here on the YouTube channels is to thank uh, patrons who are supporting Comic Book Herald at the Mysterious Benefactor tier. I'd like to thank everybody who supports Comic Book Herald over at patreon.com slash comic book herald. But in particular, I'd like to thank those mysterious benefactors who are supporting at the tier level and have brought themselves a thanks in this content. Thanks, Jeff Zacharias. Thanks, Trey Conrad. Thanks, Jesse W. Thanks, Slatron. Thanks, Robert Mickelson, Professor Pride. And thanks, Steve Brennan, all for your support. If you're interested in supporting Comic Book Herald, again, you can do so over at patreon.com slash comicbookherald, where you can also get some cool benefits as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Dave Busing. You can find all my stuff at Comic Book Herald or comicbookherald.com. I hope you will check out the content and leave your comments and thoughts and opinions in the show notes. I love hearing from everybody, getting some great feedback and ideas about where all these comics might be going. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the comics.